0: Hi and welcome back to this weekend voice Season four episode eighteen. We're getting deep into season four now I'm getting tired my uh, my dress code is waning if you're watching on YouTube <laughs> um, Thank you for joining us. if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Voice first fm or major podcast providers, we appreciate you as always. Um, today is Thursday, March the 5th. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. We're very pleased to have two phenomenal guests today. I'm going to start with Rupal Patel. Rupal, say hello. Hi,
1: everyone. My name is Rupal.
0: Tell us who you are. Tell us what you do. Vocal ID is super interesting. Tell us tell us all about it.
1: <laughs> sure. Sure. Um... So, Vocal ID is a voice AI company, and what we do is we create uh, synthetic voices, um, uh, AI voices that can be used to turn any content into uh, a voiced sample. So, we know that audio is um, is such a big deal these days with uh, smart speakers and all sorts of applications that both you speak to and they speak back to you. And that we believe that it's really important for that voice that um, is used by the product or the company to sound like um, a unique individual um, and also to really um, feel some kind of synergy with the population that it's trying to reach. Uh, we got our start making voices uh, for people who couldn't speak and they were given sort of generic voices to use despite how old they were, their age, their gender and so on. Um, and yet uh, each each of us has a unique voice that tells a story about who we are. And so we, um, we got our start really doing that. And that's really the backbone of the technology that we built initially was to create unique voices for those who are either losing their voice or who never had a voice to begin with.
0: Rupal, y'all are doing amazing work. Uh, You won a big award at Project Voice, a lot of recognition there, uh, as well as from many other sources. Um, Congratulations on all of your success. Thank you for making time for us today. We greatly appreciate it.
1: My pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Our second guest is Mike Tatum of Spokestack. Mike, say hello.
2: Hello, Uh, I'm Mike Tatum. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Spokestack. Uh, We build conversational interfaces for mobile apps. So we're trying to help people who are uh, in the car or on the go or running, be able to speak to their phone, open their favorite app, and get the information they need back from that. And so we have a collection of open source libraries and uh, services, our own TTS service to help um, brands build their own voice.
0: Mike, you've been around the block a time or two, and you uh, introduced uh, Spokestack at Project Voice, uh, which was super cool. Um, Thank you for making the time for us today as well. Absolutely. With that, we'll get to the news. Story number one, our voicebot.ai story of the week. As I say every week, if you don't know what voicebot.ai is, you are doing a lot of things wrong. (laughs) Pause the podcast, go find out, come back. Mycroft AI's legal war against patent troll heats up. Now, Mycroft is a really interesting group. Um, They've taken on the tall task of creating an independent voice assistant um, and um, really being a pioneer from the standpoint of the the of championing the, the value proposition of privacy and data security years before the mainstream media really caught up. And that really, that's that's one in every two stories now is about it. Um, a lot of interesting things going on here. And, and I want to start with this because we've got two young companies on the show. So I think we'll get some unique perspective. RuPaul, I'm going to start with you. With this story... Um, a lot of moving parts. What jumped out to you um, as an executive, as a founder? Um, anything particular about the, the the details of this story of Mycroft, as well as things that you see in general about patent trolls? Share with us your perspective.
1: Sure. So I actually know Mycroft quite well. Mycroft, um, we did some work with them early 2015, 2016, where we created a voice for for Mycroft, Um, and they were using it in their early um, in their early versions of the. Of, I think it was the Mark II. Um, so I also know Joshua, and I think that it is a tall order. You know, there are patent trolls um, that are uh, that usually go after big companies, but I think the other the problem with sort of you know, eliminating the space of the smaller companies as well as sort of the attack right now. And I think that Joshua's sort of conviction to say that this is this is crazy. This is not just, right? This is not, um, this is really not how we should be doing business. And you know, what is what is the issue with uh, trying to get, um, you know, to give access, the patent system is broken, is, is really his big argument there, right? Um, and it is, I think a lot of it is also, you know, the, the push from investors to have a patent portfolio, even in software, where we know that there's so much a quick evolution of the technology. Um, and at the same time, you know, we've got this whole other e- underground system of companies that are trying to figure out how they, they levy that, um, I guess, that, that IP that they may have had. Um, it's also a very general claim um, from what I was looking at as well. I, I looked in a little deeper into that. And so it's, it's hard to defend, right? I mean, I think that Josh was able to get the, um, the first hearing to be um, in, in Missouri, which hopefully will be helpful. But there's a lot of sort of, this is the kind of thing that derails a company, right? Um, and this kind of fight, you have to figure out um, you know, why you're doing this. Um, and I think he's got a very good idea for, or a reason or a conviction for doing this. Um, I do think it's taking up, it's going to take up so much time. Um, and, and that is the, that's the thing to balance as a young uh, a company, a small company is, is you only have limited time. How are you going to spend it? And what, which battles are you going to fight? And this one, they've got to fight no matter what, or, or, or what, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what the ask is in terms of how much they're needing, you know, how much they need to give, um, for that. So it's, it's, it's being stuck between a rock and a hard place, I think.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Great, uh, great commentary. Mike, want to get your thoughts as well. Um, you know, what do you see when you look at this story? What what jumps out?
2: No, I will echo what RuPaul said. I mean, uh, it's really tough as a as a young company to you know focus just on finding product market fit and growth, right? Mycroft's been around for several years and they definitely made a lot of traction, but I you know I'm sure they're still focused on growth and to be able having to deal with this is gonna take a lot of time and resources. So I, I feel for them. And I also agree that the um the patent systems broke uh Our executive chairman uh, was involved with a company called RPX, which actually used, you know, would would work with bigger companies to roll patents together so that it could be a little bit more defensible um, against all these claims. I mean, as you said early in the show, you know, I've been around a while and I'm, you know, having been involved with a couple of different, you know, early digital music businesses. And I remember just the trolls coming out in waves and it was just so distracting and such a barrier to innovation is still trying to, you know, all of us are still trying to figure out what the right you know, um, services are, what the right products are, what the right, you know, um, you know, processes should be much less having to deal with like patents that are potentially 10, 15, 20 years old that are super general, that are not really relevant to what we're doing right now. I just, I, I, you know, I, 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 am pulling for them, you know, and I, you know, what Sonos is doing as well too, you know, like I think you've got both sides of it in our industry a little bit, right? Sonos is, you know, on, on the, another side of a patent claim. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. I hope those companies can figure something out and level the playing field so that we can still get innovation. People who actually have something that's defensible can defend it, but we can stave off the trolls and, and continue to build our businesses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, this is not a real happy story. <laughs> um, and all of us as founders can appreciate, I mean the time sure. And the money sure. But the, the mental toll of every day you don't, if you, if you woke up with the excitement, you wake up with less. If you wake up mad, now you're waking up even more mad. <laughs> it's just every day you got to wake up with this on your shoulders. And founders um, take on a lot as it is. Uh, we don't need um, companies like voice tech <laughs> coming along. <and> say, <laughs> it's not funny saying, um, you know, uh, you need to pay me now or stop doing business. I, I think a lot of people in, in this industry will be watching this. I, I think there's an interesting case. One thing I find interesting is, um, you know, we've got major accelerators with, with Amazon and, and Google incubating, you know, companies. And I wonder um, if part of Amazon's pitch, like with the Alexa accelerator powered by tech stars um, is being able to protect, um companies from trolls like this. And I think, you know, Mycroft came out of some accelerator. I don't remember which one, maybe a TechStars accelerator. Um, you are just looking around for whatever friends you can find to try to put this thing down. I want to read something before we move on to the next story real quick. I want to read the, what the patent, the patent is for quote, using voice commands from a mobile device to remotely access and control a computer. I mean, so yeah, this is, uh, this is bad news. Uh, It's great commentary. Any closing thoughts on this? uh, Obviously we'll be watching and rooting for them.
1: Well, I think the one thing is too, that, um, that's, that affects so many other applications where you are actually using voice based access, you know, voice based communication. Right. Um, And I don't even believe that Mycroft uses a mobile device. They use their, Speaker, um, the smart speakers or whatever they want to call it. Um, so, I, you know, how much is that infringement? How are they interpreting this? You know, um, or how is the the voice tech um, lawyers interpreting this? I think that there's it's so it's so gray, it's so fuzzy. Um, and I mean, Mycroft is is sort of a small target in comparison to all the other companies that are are already in the space accessing voice through a mobile device. So. Um, I mean, you could say, why not go Why not go after something with a deeper pocket? And is this just the first try along many? And I think that's later in that report as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, typically what these guys try to do is they try to get one little foothold, right? And try to build the case for that they've been able to defend the patent. So they picked on, in their mind, the weakest potential victory, right? So that they can continue to build on that. Because obviously, if this was something they really felt they had... Um, the wherewithal and, 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 you know, and they could go after people, you'd go after Apple, you'd go after Google, right. And they're trying to build up to that. So I think you might find, and I wouldn't be surprised, kind of per my reference to, you know, uh, RPX, that some of these companies, they have thousands of patents, right. And they might be able to come in and, you know, step into this and help defend Mycroft or put, pull some resources behind them just to make this troll go away and not be a problem for them anymore. Who knows? We'll see, we'll see what happens. I'd like to see, um, you know, uh, a, a number of companies kind of rally to their defense and, and pull together resources and, and, you know, kick these guys to the side and make sure that, you know, we get further definition on what they're trying to do and what they are, what they think is defensible and what they should pull for. But this thing's too generic and it's too disruptive for everybody to continue to go forward.
0: Yeah. We'll keep an eye on this. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well we needed to start with it and get it out of the way i suppose but yeah we'll be rooting for him and uh, i do feel like they probably picked on the wrong guy because Montgomery, is a he's a he's he's a uh he's not going to go down easily um and so uh yeah uh, we'll looking forward to seeing hopefully what uh, will be his success in in defending that story number 2 from pc games insider it's a source we have never used before Voice games developer LabWorks.io gets six hundred and forty thousand dollar investment. Now, this is an interesting one as well um, because it's sort of continuing in this drumbeat of uh, funding, M and A, you know, investment class stuff going on in the space uh, as it continues to escalate. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Um, what What about this uh, jumps out at you, uh, either about LabWorks business model or about the funding or about funding of the space in general? Share with me your thoughts as you looked at this article.
2: Sure. No, I I was encouraged to actually see that. I think what LabWorks is doing is really interesting. I mean, Volley also is another company that's, you know, already out there establishing themselves not only on smart speakers, but on mobile devices. They have games in that space. And, you know, um, at least in our business, we've actually already started to have conversations with companies that want to bring um, the, you know, their smart speaker uh, voice-based game over to mobile or companies that already have mobile games starting to bring voice to it. And I think that you can see, you're going to see some massive breakout hits. Um, You know, you guys remember Heads Up, remember when you'd walk around and everybody was doing the the mobile phone to their head, you know, Um, it's a fantastic game because it's, it's interactive. It's not, you know, I mean, I've got kids, right. And like you see them every, you know, like they're just heads down to the phone and it's just one-on-one heads up actually broke that, that model. Right. And kind of broke open the wall of here's a mobile computing device that I can use in a social setting. And I think voice has that same sort of uh, capability to make it more communal and make a more enjoyable kind of group experience. And I think you're going to see like wildly successful new uh, ideas that, um, you know, kind of come from some of the adventure game segments that we've seen in the past, some of the chat games uh, we've seen, uh, start to use uh, original voices and, and, um, and start to use mobile and tablets as a way to create a uh, atmosphere for one to five to seven people in a room to enjoy a game experience. So I think it's, it's going to be a huge market. And I think it's going to be a huge
0: market for voice uh, on mobile. Excellent. Rupal, your thoughts?
1: yeah I think it's exciting to see um, the sort of voice activation aspect of it because I think a lot of games haven't necessarily had that um, multiplayer as well. I think that's really exciting um, I think the one question I have is is really like what kinds of new kinds of interactions is is this going to um start to get us to engage in. So like, you know, what Mike mentioned in terms of heads up, like it was, it was great because it sort of changed the paradigm of like the, you know, what we were doing and kind of brought in what we did with board games into the space and what we do when we're together, right? Um, so that's the other thing is, and I, the other thing I think that's really exciting about this, and I'm not sure whether they're tackling this is that when you have voice in games, um, it changes who can play and who has, uh, who has the capability of playing. Right. Because there is a lot of this world. We forget this sitting here in, in the States that they're not all literate or they're minimally literate. Right. And so when you start talking about voice, you start including groups of people that haven't been able to play games up until now. Right. Um and sure they can play games where there's just you know, visual characters or whatever, but anything that's more this more complex, it's, it's text-based, um, really hasn't been accessible. And so, you know, obviously games for games' sake just for fun and for entertainment, but then you can also use games for um things like in the next article where you're seeing with you know medication and compliance and adherence or um health policy or right now with coronavirus of trying to get information out, right? So um, I think that there's a lot of potential here. Um, I think still, though, I think in general, the voice space is quite nascent. um, And so it's great to start seeing these applications and, and again, rooting for them to to see where this goes.
0: Complete agreement. And uh, we talked a little bit on the show last week in the context of the Nutella um, skill that they've come out with. Um, and the, the deal with that is it's, it's some recipes. So Nutella worked with skilled creative to uh, create uh, this Alexa skill. And there's recipes that involve Nutella. And then there's some games that are part of it. And all of the marketing material behind uh, this uh, Alexa skill has uh, reinforced, um, kind of uniquely reinforced, the idea of when you're supposed to play this game. You play it at breakfast, while you're creating breakfast, while you're cooking breakfast, or while you're waiting for breakfast. You, you play it in the morning. Games, I think, in general, as a class in this space, have work to do. And, and it's, it's not that they haven't done something that they should have. It's just the next frontier to define the when, for the consumer. Like the where is sort of filled in because it's defined by where the smart speaker is, which is in your house. So, you know, and it's not really the car cause people haven't, you know, that's such slower to, for people to jump on board, like the, the where we sort of figured out, but the when, I think there's work to do. And uh, when I see, and I I'm, I'm speaking as a lifelong gamer, so, as I look at voice based games, and there's a lot of different types of them, there's more complex ones, there's uh, really heavy load type of games, and then there's like lighter stuff like Question of the Day, Matchbox, and different ones. Um, but I struggle with okay, you want me to play this? I need you to help me understand, you know, paint me a picture, which include the win. And when I look at this deal with LabWorks, I find it fascinating that they raise this money on not the idea of um, creating a single game or a series of games. No, 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 no. They raise this off the idea of a subscription. So you're even going one step beyond where we were before. And I think it's good news. I think it's great news for people like y'all because it shows there is so much excitement around this space. And so much capital seeking a home that people are willing to uh, invest in things that are, uh, just to be honest, not as proven as maybe in another sector that have to be to be investment class. So I think it's all a good, good story. I think they'll succeed. Um, we're rooting for them. But I think it's good news for the space. Uh, those are my thoughts. Any closing thoughts that y'all have?
1: So I think with Game Show Network, I, I, like on the games, um, there was a whole sort of a channel of games even for um, more text-based communication, right? Um, so yes, it hasn't been proven in voice, but I think the idea is so you've got the Nutella game, you've got a whole cluster of things you can do throughout your day. It's like a channel, right? Um, and it's allowing you to have a variety of different interactions at different touch points in your day. Um, I think that's the only way. How many times are you gonna be able to like like the Nutella app and you know play Nutella? And I'm not sure that would be very good for your physical <laughs> body either. So like I do I think the whole idea, like one of the things that gets stale about games, if you think about even just board games or any games that you play, is that after some time that routine wears off, right? So you have to keep things fresh, you have to keep the content fresh, you have to keep the engagement different. so if it is like a channel and they are able to kind of keep having new experiences and maybe that's what they're banking on with their subscription service um that makes it I think interesting the the problem is the way that games are typically made right now is that sort of one game right or um so I I don't know how they're going to bring together a variety of different providers and content it's really content at the end of the day that is going to be the king in this area. Right. So those are my thoughts about how I'm, I'm watching it carefully because I do think that right now they're talking about voice activation, but I do think the next step will be about what we care about is well, what is a voice coming back at you, especially if you're playing this game throughout the whole day, you cannot have the same voice you listen to all day, you know, for every single app that is going to be a bad user interface
0: complete agreement like any closing thoughts totally totally agree
2: and i think this is going to for for those of us in the custom synthetic voice tts business i think this is going to you know if, if these games start to hit and start to really get traction it's going to be a huge driver of people you know i think brands need their own voice and we can go into that later but i think games to Ru- rupal's point is like you would get really really bored with that same voice and we have already like I, I brought the google nest uh home from project voice and put it in the kitchen right because you know as you always do. And my son got addicted to music trivia, right? Like every morning, that's what we were doing during breakfast time. It was like, you know, and it was always play the 2010s. And I'm like, 80s, 90s, you know, and we were going back and forth. But, it and and we did that for like a week and a half. And then it got a little stale, right? Like it just felt like we, we, you know, and, and so to, to RuPaul's point, you have to, you know, change up the content. I think you've got to change up the voice. You've got to, it's, it needs to feel engaging in a way that I don't think we've been able to break out on the smart speaker level because of the restrictions. That maybe this will start to, you know, kind of push us forward. So I, th- I think it's exciting.
0: I think if you look at almost any game, like electronic game that exists, like whether it's a AAA title, like a a fortnight or a uh, Fortnite may be a little bit different because there's social components to keep that fresh. So that's sort of a one of one, but uh, for a lot of games, you know, if you play it for that amount of time, it will get stale. So, you know, I think if you, if, if that music trivia game managed to, to last for a week plus for you, Hey, that's, that's not the worst outcome in the world. Um, and that's another whole aspect is what is success for these games? Like, is it, is it, keeping someone's attention for a week solid? Is it uh, making someone come back periodically over a more extended period of time? I think that's to be defined as well. But Rufal, I'll uh, just end this story with uh, just going back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, I look forward to when the AI is sophisticated enough to say, okay, you have loaded the Nutella app 17 times this week. We better call Mayo Clinic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think uh, that uh, we'll get to that point. I agree. You got you to gotta watch yourself with that. Um, <laughs> we'll leave that right where it is. Story number three, this is in two parts, American banker turning up the volume on Alexa. This is all about integration of voice and specifically Alexa into the, the banking and finance sector. And then story three B, venture beat, from VentureBeat, Amazon's Alexa can now answer more questions about prescription drugs. So the idea here in juxtaposing these stories side by side is just to um, uh, facilitate a conversation on um, niches and verticals. And uh, these these um, voice assistants, um, are they going, the, the mainstream ones, Alexa, Google Assistant, Siri, are they gonna be able to go down this road and adequately serve um, the practitioners in these different industries with the jargon, the, you know, the vernacular, the, the context, or are we going to need more niche players like we're seeing the development of, I I would like for us to cover, you know, that question, but anything else that stood out to you as well about either of these two stories, definitely let us know that as well. Your thoughts. And you're on mute.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'll no, I'll I'll start. Um, I you know the thing the thing I think that's um, going to be challenging, at least in the finance se- sector, is how do you authenticate who's talking, right? And how you know, and I think we've talked about that, and you've, you've seen all the all these issues. And so, and I also just think there's going to be a certain amount of um, hesitancy, both uh, uh, you know, with the consumer and with institutions, to have a third party in in between, right? So. I, that's you know when I look when I look at that that segment I I just don't, I don't know how that shakes out right I know that almost all the inbound a lot of we're getting a lot of uh, inbounds and a lot of um, requests around finance and that and we seem to get into privacy issues pretty quickly um, and so uh, you know and that's still an area that I think you know we don't have the rules regulations what what are the best practices or policies for voice in that segment and I think that's going to be a barrier for finance breaking out. Um, that's, that's my personal opinion on that. RuPaul, I don't know if you have any opinions.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. RuPaul, your thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your thought on either of these or both?
1: Well, I think first, um, I think today a lot of healthcare companies and some finance companies are, are kind of jumping in thinking, well, we've got this partnership with Amazon. We're going to have this you know, partnership with Google. It's fantastic. They're, they're throwing money at us. They're giving us Alexis to put in every hotel room and in every um, you know, hospital uh, room and so on. And it's like this whole idea of hype within the innovation team to say, oh, wow, we've got all these Alexas. You know, we can pour them anywhere. Um, and what they're asking of their patients and what they're asking of their clients is really give up privacy. Right. And we know that Amazon and Google are not just providers of voice technology. They are they're uh, they, they, they're a logistics company in the case of Amazon, right? They're a pharmacy company with PillPack now. They are a food company with Amazon, right? What you're doing is for convenience handing over data. And I think the problem with that is that we are not being thoughtful about this. And because there are no laws, there are regulations and so on um, there it's, it's allowed to happen today. And I think this is actually going back to the point with Mycroft is, you know, Joshua's story always was, if you make it open source and you're not connected to like a big provider like that, you have the ability to you know, What we do in our companies is focused on voice. We don't also sell pills and, and books to you and whatever else to you, right? So I think it's really important that the data of what you're saying to these devices and what the devices are saying back to you, like the, your accounts and balances and which pills you're taking and if they can be then shared with something else, those are all major violations of privacy, which I think right now are being totally overlooked because these companies are coming in and saying, we just want to play in the space. You know, we just want to give you Amazon Dots for free. You know, that $49 box or thingy is, my gosh, you are trading in a heck of a lot more than $49 worth when you let that thing hear you and your conversations. Um, so I, I really worry about that. I'm concerned about that, especially in healthcare and in finance. And those are the two, the st- two stories for me. We, um, so that said, that's one. Um, The other thing is about two years ago, we were approached by a very large uh, financial institution. Um, They came to us because many financial institutions these days have deployed voice authentication, right? So you can call your bank and just with your voice, and you don't have to say a password or anything like that. You just start talking, and once they've got your voice enrolled, they can identify who it is that's talking, right? The speaker ID. And it's, it's a sort of passive speaker ID. So what they were concerned about is how much data would it take for people to um, create or recreate someone's voice? And could that be used to spoof the system to get into the bank account? Right. And so this is 2018, you know, early 2018. And and we took on this project. And um, what we were able to show is that we were, in fact, able to with synthetic voices. then We're not even talking about the ones that we can make today. Back in you know, early early days of deep neural network based technology, we were able to take data from you know as little as a few minutes of data and create a voice that was able to go through the voice authentication system. And we went back to the bank and we said, okay, this is what we were able to do. And we even created then afterwards the capabilities of being able to identify between synthetic and human voices and so on. And at that point they said to us, and we, we spoke to a, large, a, lot, a lot of different major banks in this country, right? And, and the, the response was voice hacking is not really big enough for us to be concerned about it, right? And that's kind of where we stumbled upon the ethics around voice, that if we're companies that are creating synthetic voices um, that, you know, for good. I mean, we, we set up this world to do something really meaningful in the world. We didn't set out for the technology then to be used or misused by, by hackers, right? So that's why we've been paying a lot of attention to uh what else we can do to protect our own technology from being misused. So um so those are some of my comments around this issue. It really is something that I'm really concerned about.
0: Mike, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I, I I I agree with all that. There's a lot to that. Mike, you, your your comments.
2: Yeah, no, so I and I think so for me. Uh, and Rupal and, and Voice ID have been in this a lot longer than I have, and seen and thought about this a lot, a lot more than we have. You know, we started off with this smart speaker space, and so we're just kind of coming through. But you know, just it doesn't take a whole lot of searching to find out that you can very quickly treat, uh, trick Voice ID. I mean, it's it's you know, we can take less than three or four or five minutes of data, and it sounds very much like you, and you can absolutely could you know be able to spoof something. And I think finance has its own issues with healthcare. I'm a little bit more hopeful. Um, you know, basically, because you know, companies like ours, um, you know, and companies like Mycroft and, and you know, SNPs before them were able to do some domain-specific ASR on device, some specific NLU on device. So that's keeping that data within that device. And I think, you know, and I was talking to uh, Julie Daniel Davis um, a couple of weeks ago about education. Education has the same, you know, uh, issues where you know she's like, I, you know, I'm all for. Pull, you know bringing in Alexa into the classroom or google but they still have these issues and they're working on those things but you know maybe what we need is it's you know our own educational devices that are self-contained that can do enough of what we want to and then punch out when needed for for further information and i think when you get into healthcare, you might start to see uh companies start to fill the void of being able to you know Uh, put something that's, you know, in the operating room in, you know uh, you know, in the hospital that might be able to service some very basic uh, but useful uh, services using voice UX to be able to navigate document um, add to uh, the services that they're providing without having to use cloud-based services. Um, You know, I think for right now, you know, these, you know, some of the work that we're doing, we only have to punch out to the cloud for TTS and then there's a, potential where we actually put something, you know, put the, you know, a server and TTS inside the firewall. So the whole experience is actually with with, behind the firewall and we're not going to be able to tell you, you know, how how far it is to the moon or do, you know, do all these kind of random general AIs. I don't think um, healthcare needs those, right. If you're, you know, going into an allergist, they just need to have the domain of allergies to be able to serve. Right. Or, and so uh, I'm a little bit more hopeful that actually, I think voice uh, can have an impact in education in healthcare and maybe even in commerce in a way that doesn't have to be reliant on, you know, cloud services, third party, they can actually be self-contained. I think that's probably the next three to five years where I think we'll start to see some traction.
1: So I agree with you, Michael. I mean, it's it's not about, um, so I don't have any issues with voice being used. Um, and if, especially if it's on device or it's it's not within these big services where the companies that are providing the services are also global. You know companies that do everything else not just voice so that's my thing about it it's it's um it's not so much that smart speakers shouldn't be in these contexts I, they absolutely should if you're thinking about pillow health and all these other um companies that are that exist as physical devices and they're domain specific um i'm more concerned about the broader aspects of of using a um, kind of a general purpose technology or general purpose hardware in these different domains um, and especially, I, I think for health, there is bigger concern about privacy than even, um, than even finance because money can be replaced, but your identity and your, uh, whether or not you can get insurance, those are much, much more difficult to protect um, after they have been breaches.
0: That's great, great commentary all the way around there. I, I, um, Rupal, going back to just talking about the fact that there's an absence of regulation um you know and and I think that uh, we all can agree um, and it 's interesting for it to be true that we all can agree. we all can agree that some regulation in this space is necessary, and you know I just sort of have the the personal opinion that um you know twenty twenty a lot of this year is about the who the who of who 's going to you know be in charge for the next, for the short term. 2021, I, you know, I, I think, frankly, no matter who is in office, um, I think there's a lot of reasons why Trump would want to do it. But I know for sure there's reasons why the Democrats would do it if it's Bernie or some or, Bi- you know, Biden, I don't know. I hope I don't offend. I'll, I'll, I better stop talking about this. So I'm going to offend somebody. Um, but uh, no matter who it is, there's a lot of pressure because these companies are so massive, and they don't need to be that massive, and uh, and it's hurtful for them to be so massive, and everybody agrees with that, and and so I think that everyone will end up feeling better um, once there is some regulation in place. Um, and I thought, you know, just amidst your overall comments about the different stories, uh, you know, that um, a lot will be clarified with how Alexa and Google Assistant, some of these other ones, can go into and, and serve these verticals. Uh, Once that type of regulations in place, I'm hopeful for that. Uh, That's that's a takeaway. Just sort of hearing y'all talk about it. Any closing thoughts on any aspect of this before we move on to the final story?
2: Just on that piece, um, you know, I talked to John Stein at Open Voice Network earlier this week, and he seems like he's starting to push forward some ideas of, you know, because I don't I don't think you have to break up Amazon or break up Google to make this this industry work. I'll show my age here. I, you know, I was able to tuck in behind the work of the IAB, the Internet Advertising Bureau and the OPA uh, for for the internet, right? Because there was, you know, you have to remember, like when we started off doing, you know, getting on the web, there were these, there was a behemoth called AOL. For most people, that was the internet, right? And even CompuServe and Prodigy, and I'm really dating myself, but there was these closed networks and they made the rules. And, uh, and then the web came open. And then, you know, early on in the web, there were 800 different kind of advertising sizes, like when they first came into like people had all kinds of different ways of, you know, putting ads in onto websites, how they would report it, what they would do with the user data. And it was a free for all. And it was a free for all that actually limited the companies trying to get into the space to build businesses, because there was no regulations, there's no rules or no best practices. And so I'm hoping that, you know, companies like ours, even companies like the sonoses and the you know like um, and eventually pushing on the googles and everybody else will come together and come up with ways that we can talk about best practices for user data best practices for namespace name collision right we already have that and you know how we do invocation names um, you know just just in general because i think i think these kind of things of knowing you know what is what is the right way to share user information what's the right way to let the user know when their data is being shared Drupal's point, right, Um, would go a long way to being able to break open a lot of innovations that'd be good for consumers and good for the whole ecosystem. Right now, you know, and I go to these conferences, I loved Project Voice, and Project Voice is my favorite, probably, just because it feels like it's a camp, right? Like it's, you know, everybody in there is able to have really casual, uh, you know, conversations in the hallways. And uh, almost all of us are coming to the thing of like, Hey, we've got this really great technology. We've got this really, you know, uh, good opportunity in the marketplace, but we're blocked behind this wall at Amazon or, we're, you know, or we can't get clarity through Google or Apple won't call us back. Right. Or whatever it might be. And that's, that's, those are artificial barriers to, to, to the industry. And I think if enough of us, I mean, that was what was great coming out of project voice was, you know, it, you know when Brett went up there and did his state of voice presentation, talking about like there are going to be multiple personal assistants in your life, right? You're, there is not going. This is not a zero sum game. There's not going to be one behemoth, right? We're going to have many different ways of being able to access a voice user interface. Some will be brand specific, some will be platform specific, some will be auto specific, you know, auto specific. And so we have. So that means all of a sudden that we have a network. And now we need network rules, regulations, kind of a HTTP, for lack of a better you know, analogy, and a DNS of being able to go through and figure out how we're going to trade information about users and content and commerce and the whole thing. And I'm hoping that's something that over the next year or two, we can all band together and put pressure on the platforms, not because I don't think that they don't realize that would be good. I think they're just big. And when you're in a big company, you get stuck behind this like, here's what my quarterly goals are so I can make my bonuses. I know this is probably good for the overall industry, but how does this help me make my quarterly bonus, right? And I think that, that we have to, as a group of you know, developers and publishers and, and content providers, organize ourselves and start to put pressure on them of like, this would be best for us and best for you. And I think that will open up a lot of opportunities.
0: It's my personal opinion. Rupal, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, just I agree I, totally with Mike, and, and I think that having a seat at the table when these discussions happen is going to be really important for us for the smaller companies as well. Um, primarily because we probably have the most to lose with regulations. When you when we saw GDPR, you know, being rolled out, um, all the big companies, it was just no big deal. I mean, for smaller companies like us, it was like it was work, it was time, it was, and it, oftentimes, it's it's sort of it really does. Some, of, some regulations, for regulation's sake, can bog down innovation. So we have to figure out what is necessary. Um, and there's a lot of things already in place that could be used um, that don't require new regulations. We just kind of have to figure out what are, the, what are the rules of play here and what are best practices. And, and I do think that it's going to be important that us, um, at the developers of this technology, are, are really thinking not only about all the good that we want to create in the world, but also the potential mishaps ahead of time. Um, and not by us, but by uh, bad actors. And so I think if we're not aware of this, um, there could be imposing, uh, or, you know, regulations imposed just because something bad happened, but I think being proactive about it will get us much, much farther.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I'll leave that right there. That was great. Um, Our last story of the week. This is from the Hindustan Times. Someone just turned a rotary phone into a Google Home Mini smart speaker. The rest of the headline is, and the result is just amazing. (laughs) I left that out, although it's probably true. Shout out to Dave Robinette of Pound 250 who has been working on this for quite a while. And it's interesting to see folks in other parts of the world thinking about this as well. Rupal, I want to start with you what is there's a lot to this what's your takeaway from um what this individual has managed to do with this uh is this just you know uh some uh irrelevant gimmick or is there something more to this that could maybe be, ben- be beneficial um to others down the road share with, share with us your thoughts well
1: when I read it I thought it was really interesting in terms of it's clearly someone who has a signal processing background and is able to like sort of reroute this thing and, and think about what is the functionality of a phone, right? Um, and how do you take, it's got two pieces. And if you think about a smart speaker, it's only one, um, the, the microphone and the speaker sort of in, in one place, right? Or in one, in one, one container. Whereas in the phone, you have sort of one part of it is where you listen and the other part of it where you speak. And so they're decoupled in some way. Right. And so I think it was in some ways it was curiosity that this person was just trying to figure out how do we how can we make this work? And I think another part of it is is thinking about some of the the functionality of what is in a smart speaker, Um, I'm not sure what the purpose necessarily was, whether it was just to kind of, you know, unpack it um, or whether it was to say, okay, can we repurpose (laughs) the the phones? Because there is this entire culture in India, I believe. I mean, I've never lived there, so I don't know. But there's a lot of recycled or interesting ideas about using the materials that you already have in order to create something new is part of that from what I understand. So I feel like um, it's, it's a fun story to kind of maybe pick more at what was behind that? And, and what, you know, is, was it for a class or was it for, you know, it, a signal? I can see it being for a signal processing class to say, you know, what, what, what are these pieces doing and, and how do we uh, rejig it? Um, so I'm curious more about that. I wasn't able to watch the video. Um, I think there was a link in there for the video, but I, I'd love to, I don't know what, what, what the problem was, um, but I couldn't get access to that video. Did you see it?
0: I didn't see the video either, uh, now that you bring up a video, but I just, uh, yeah. The- a,
1: yeah, there was a link to it in the story saying that it's on somewhere else, that I couldn't find it. So anyway, that'd be cool to see what they did and how good it sounds. So that's the other thing is that, you know, where we've come from, um, rotary phones and the technology back then is a sort of a, a band-limited kind of uh, audio. And with the uh, smart speakers today, I mean, there's a complete difference in the audio quality. And so what if we could hear that through... Um, through our phone right that would make all the issues with listening to old people older people's like older people listening to the telephone have so much trouble with it because it cuts off the s's um because they're in higher frequencies um so i i think that there's something really fascinating about sort of user interface in in what they did
0: very cool mike your thoughts Totally.
2: Um, I um, this is a tangent, but it'll come back. Uh, There's a a Substack called Flow State that sends you a daily email of ambient music you can listen to during the day. Right, so it's usually wordless music that goes on. And one of the so on the same day that I saw that article, they had uh, showcased an ambient artist who had built a rotary phone where you picked it up. And it would play music and you could listen, you know, like, so it was like, it was, you know, it would have a little dial tone and then go from song to song to song. And I'm like, what's up with rotary phones? And everybody like hacking, like, I was like, do we have one of those? Should I be doing something with it? You know? Um, so whatever rotary phones were cool this week, um, which was kind of, which was kind of nice. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't get to see the video, so I didn't get to hear much about it. You know, I think it's great. I mean, I also, um, look at a lot of Raspberry Pi projects and Hackaday projects. And I just, I do think that there's a whole lot of signal processing enthusiasts and, you know, little projects out there that people are playing with and doing interesting things with uh, and figuring out ways to embed voice and all kinds of older devices um, that I think we might see more and more of, which is kind of exciting. Like cool things will come out of that.
1: I think there's a cool application here for art. Um, And also I don't, we all probably have kids and um, I know that my kids, do not know. I mean my son especially like he loves speakerphone. Um and like doing this, you know, it comes natural to us, right? To to do this. It does not come natural to them. This is what comes natural to them, right? they talk like this to their phones. They do not talk like this. And we, I still kind of sometimes do that, right? I'm
2: so glad you said that because my kids, you know, it's always when the grandparents call and I take it out there and they just grab it and put it on speaker and when they start walking around, I'm like, you put it on your head. No, they don't know it. It's like that video. Do you remember a couple of years ago where the the parents brought in the rotary phone and they tried to get their kids to dial on it and they couldn't figure it out? It's just a totally different concept for them. I also think too, like, um, and once, you know, and I've got a 15 year old daughter, she, it's only AirPods. Like that's how conversations exist, right? Like it, there's no picking up the phone. Phone, that's that's not cool. That's so you know two thousands. Yeah.
0: You know? yeah. You're assuming that someone picks up the phone at all, yes. which uh, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> from everything I've seen, including my own uh, phone patterns, I mean, if I can, if I could disable the phone on this thing, I probably would. and so you know um oh mike you're on you're on mute
2: oh i was gonna say i don't know how about you guys i get so angry when somebody leaves me a voicemail now
0: like oh oh, oh, i'm way way past that i I just leave my voicemail full and i don't (laughs) delete anything so you you don't that option is now taken off the table
1: oh boy i really like voice guys i don't know
0: (laughs) you like getting a voicemail
1: yeah I can to hear their voice, you know their actual voice instead of reading that stuff, I mean especially as my eyes start to get like tired toward the end of the day after staring at the screen forever, I'm like, okay, a human being, an actual person with a connected voice that was <laughs> you know, it's, it's kinda nice
0: uh yes mayo clinic we we need to get someone to see people <laughs> <with them>. yeah <laughs> uh no, that's cool to 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 each their own uh yeah i i uh so you You're, you're that, you're that 2% on that, on that chart I see. Um, But uh, no, I'm just giving you grief that, you know, the phone, the phone is uh, it's hard to tell if it's dying or if it's only becoming more important. Um, So I don't, I don't know. Smart speakers have sort of obscured that for us. I think that's one of the things with this article is, um, you know, I, I look at this and I thought this thing was dying. Uh, maybe a year or two ago. And now I look at it, I'm like, well, who's to say? Uh, But nevertheless, cool thing that they managed to put together. Rupal, Mike, thank you both very, very much for being part of this Week in Voice with us, for sharing not just your time, uh, but your expertise and and your experience with me and the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's exciting. Great to talk about this.
2: Yeah, thanks, Bradley. It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having us.
0: For This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 18, thank you for listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube. Until next time.